You're listening to GNU World Order, episode 29 for season 13 for day 195 of 2019. Hey everybody, this is Klaatu, and today we're going to talk about Yuta Linux, of course. What else would we be talking about? The next command up in the listing of, of the contents of Linux, of Yuta Linux is Hexdump. Hexdump is a, a very flexible and fairly complex program. It's not the only thing that does what it does. There are other options out there, but I think Hexdump is often the first stop for a Linux user because it's already on their system whether they installed it or not. In other words, since it comes with Util Linux, it's, it's fairly ubiquitous when someone tells you that you need to view, I don't know, some hidden contents of, of a file for some weird reason that you don't truly understand often because you're doing this for troubleshooting and you can't figure out why, I don't know, some file won't open or, or some problem like that. So Hexdump shows you the binary contents of a file in some format, and that format by default is one thing, and then you can adjust it later yourself, depending on why you're looking for that the, the contents of that file. So a really sort of direct example here would be to do a hex dump on, uh, let's copy a file called foo.png. So now I'm going to do a hex dump on foo.png, and, and if you've if you do that at home on your own, you, you get a, a, a lot of output of these sort of weird, almost uh, IPv6-looking strings. There's, there's very frequently a sort of a, a header column on the far left. Not very frequently. There is a header comment on the left or a, a number on the left representing what you're looking at. But then... On the right, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight columns. I should have known that. Eight columns of of actual of of the bytes that are contained in your file. So the nice thing about Hexdump is that it doesn't fail if you just try it on a file. It's also non-destructive, by the way. You're, you're not changing anything about your file. You're simply dumping the contents of a file out into your terminal. And you can change that. You can look at man hex dump to see options. You can get one byte octal. Display the input offset in hexadecimal, followed by 16 space separated three column zero filled bytes of input data in octal per line, or one byte character. And don't worry, I'm, I'm going to explain a lot of this. Uh, display the input offset in hexadecimal followed by 16 space-separated three-column space-filled characters of input data per line. Two-byte decimal. Display the input. So you can try all of these. You can do hexdump-delta-foo.png. You get a slightly different-looking output. Still the same data that you're looking at. Still as as completely meaningless to you as as previously. It just formatted slightly differently, uh, or, or converted to a different value. Okay, so that's that's kind of the intro of to, to Hexdump without any context whatsoever, right? It, it's, it's a way to look at a file. You can control, by the way, I should say, Hexdump-length, and let's do 8, foo.png, gives you just just the, the just eight bytes of of foo.png. You could do foo length 16 and get and get a little bit more information. You could do length four and get less, so on. So that's that's an easy way to to, to prevent every time you do hex dump to, to, for it to scroll off your screen because we'll need that in a moment. Um, so what are you seeing? Well, you're seeing the contents of the file through sort of a lens that you've never looked through before. And this output is a little bit more sensible if you do, for instance, a hex dump dash dash length. Let's do just the first eight bytes. So dash dash length eight, or for short, just dash in eight. 
And then for, for a little bit of extra, a little bit of added value here, we're going to use the, the so-called canonical display. And this is, you can do dash dash canonical, C-A-N-O-N-I-C-A-L, or just a, a dash capital C. And that's a capital C, not a lowercase c. Lowercase c will give you one byte characters. Cap, dash capital C gives you the canonical display. Canonical, which is hex plus ASCII. So that's quite useful because we're, we're very used to seeing ASCII. So if we do hex dump dash n8 dash capital C foo.png, we get the, on, on the left, you see the, the address space and the, and, and a, a representation of the data that we saw previous. Now again, it's been converted. It's a little bit different than what your, what you saw when you just invoked hex dump foo.png, but it, it's the same data. And then on the far right, you should see a, a new column of, of familiar looking data. Uh, it would be the pipe character and then a dot. And then if you're doing a PNG file, you'll see the string PNG and then some dots and then the, the, the pipe character again. Now that's just the in dash eight. If I take that away and just do a hex dump dash capital C on foo.png, I get a lot of data. And again, it scrolls right off the screen, and you'd have to scroll quite a ways up to, to get back to the first the first part. But you see that the the contents of the right hand file is, is fairly familiar. It, that looks kind of sensible. It doesn't look super sensible because it's it's a PNG, and we don't have a whole lot of we, we don't really know what that would look like as an image in pixels. But at least it, it's not it's not garbage, right? And and you can even, for instance, do if you've ever done a, a cat of dev random or dev u random, you know that I'll do a cat slash dev slash u random, and then pipe. Let's just get um, let's just do the head in two. It's just a bunch of garbled characters that aren't that cannot be displayed by our terminal. I mean, there, there are some familiar characters in there, but a lot of it's just nonsense. Now, if we do that same thing, we do cat dev u random pipe hex dump dash capital C, then you get you get the output of dev u random, but instead of oops, I didn't I didn't mean to do that. So uh, let's just do head dash in two and then pipe hex dump dash C. You get the output of dev u random, but Instead of seeing unprintable garble characters, you see in the far right-hand corner, in the far right-hand column, you see uh, some familiar, familiar characters, and anything that's not printable is represented as a dot. So that's all those little dot dot dots. Those are those are truly meaningless characters that that you and I would have n nothing to equate it to. But there's other stuff in there, random stuff, or pseudo-random stuff. Okay, so let's get back to this PNG, because that gave us something that we could actually latch on to. So we're going to do a hex dump dash in 8 again, dash capital C for that canonical display of foo.png. We get these, these first 8 bytes interpreted both in hex and in ASCII on the right. Now if we go to a website called libpng.org and we look up the spec of the PNG format and specifically, that's at libpng.org slash pub slash png slash spec slash 1.2 slash png dash structure dot html with png and s all capitalized. If you go to that web page, it tells you that the file structure consists of a png signature followed by a series of chunks. This chapter defines the signature and the basic properties of chunks individual chunk types are discussed in the next chapter. Okay, great. So all we care about honestly is the file signature. That's 3.1 PNG file signature. 
It says the first eight bytes of a PNG file always contains the following decimal values. And it gives you 137, 80, 78, 71, 13, 10, 26, 10. So, in other words, when we do the command, when we use the command file on foo.png, it somehow magically knows that this file is a PNG. It says foo.png. It's a PNG image. Data, 300 by 300, 8-bit color, and so on. Okay, that's cool, but how did it know that? If we move file.png to foo.jpg, so I've just renamed it from PNG to, to JPEG, and then I do file foo.jpg, it somehow still knows it's a PNG, foo.jpg, PNG image data, 300 by 300, 8-bit color, etc. So how does it know that this thing is a a JPEG and not a PNG. And you see this on other systems. This causes lots of problems on, on other operating systems or in some desktop environments that choose willfully to to use the proclaimed extension, the the, the thing followed by the final dot in a file name it uses that as an indicator of what kind of file it is. And that seems like a really obvious and kind of friendly way to do things, but it can be problematic, because sometimes files get named something that don't, that don't make any sense. Or sometimes they get, file, they, they get named things that the system has no, n nothing to provide for that extension. Dot, you know, I don't know, X... Z, B. What is that? Com computer's not going to know. But file knows. The file command knows. And the way that the file command knows is what we've just done here with hexdump. Hexdump dash in 8 dash capital C foo dot png. It knows exactly what kind of file it is because it's literally spelled out in the first 8 bytes of the file. Now I've heard this this header line called a couple of different things and uh, a really common one is uh, magic cookie i don't know if that's the official name because i've also read in an old bios manual from like 1994 or something uh that a magic cookie is also the shebang line in a shell script uh, that, that that it that that's called the magic cookie as well um, so I guess maybe both of them are, because they're at the head of the file. Um, whatever it's called, that's the way that, for instance, file knows what kind of command it is, or what kind of file it is dealing with. Okay, so... And you can see this in other places, right? So let's um, let's let's generate a quick little... Uh, some some other kind of binary. So I'm gonna I, I don't know C very well, so I'm gonna just use C This C is overkill for this, but it's quicker and it's something that I will be able to do off the cuff. So if we open a file called uh, hello.cpp, and we'll just do um, hash include less than io stream greater than symbol, so that's angle bracket, whatever you call them, and then we'll do using namespace std, standard namespace, and then we'll do int main parentheses parentheses, uh, and then a curly brace, and we'll do a c out, and then less than less than, and we'll do a hello world, just hello world the string. Uh, semicolon, got to end the, the line with a semicolon. And then since this is an int main, uh, we're going to do a return zero, because it needs to return an integer. And we'll close that curly brace. And we'll save that. So that's a really simple little hello world script. And now we'll do g++ hello.cpp 
dash o for output, and we'll do hello dot bin for for binary, and that should that should work pretty quickly. And then we'll do a dot slash hello bin to execute it, and it says hello world. It's a little bit rubbish because it doesn't uh, doesn't have a, a new line character at the end. Uh, I didn't think of that, but that's okay. Actually, it's not okay. I'm gonna go in and edit it. Sorry. Okay, so now we've got C out, low, uh, less than, less than, quote, hello world, end quote, less than, less than, indl, E-N-D-L, and then a semicolon. Now we'll do G++, hello.cpp, dash O, hello bin again, uh, hello bin again, and then we'll do dot slash hello dot bin to uh, look at it, and it says hello world, and then it gives us a new line so that our prompt is on the next line. It's much cleaner. And that's it. That's our hello world application. We see what it does. We know that it is written in, uh, in C++. If, by the way, you don't have a, a compiler on your system, that's fine. You just trust that we've just done a very easy hello world application on C++. So we've got a binary file and if we if we for instance did a cat on hello dot uh, cpp we see the contents of it right if we do a cat on hello dot bin however uh, that's going to be a lot uglier and I'm going to do it uh, with a head dash in two and you kind of see um, a bunch of again just a lot of garbled text now you do have some familiar strings in there, which I'm gonna just kind of skip over pleasantly, because that kind of defeats the one one of the points of. Well, it doesn't really, I guess. So so there is a, a familiar string right at the head of this file if you do a cat hello bin, and that is the letters E L F. E L F, you may or may not know, is the is the is the the name uh, the, the file type of a Linux binary? It's an ELF file. So if we run file on hello dot bin, it tells us, hey, it's an ELF 64-bit LSB executable. So that's that's perfect. If we do file on hello dot cpp, it ought to tell us that it's a text file. Oh, it even knows more than that. It's it's hello cpp a C++ source ASCII text. That's pretty fancy. Okay, so now let's do a hex dump dash in eight again of hello dot bin, and we should see, as you and I both know, the string elf. Oh, dash capital C right for the canonical output. Now we should see the the capital elf at the very front of the file. And we, we do indeed. So 7F454C4602010100 dot ELF dot 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 dot. Perfect. That's exactly what we, we wanted to see. We're going to take away the dash in 8, however, and just get the canonical output. So hex dump dash capital C hello bin. And then we're going to do a, we're going to pipe that through less. Hit return. And now on the left, we have, we have all the, the, the hexadecimal representations of the data and on the right we see all of the all of the hex uh, tran the, the translations into ascii for us and there's a lot of dots in there right there's a lot of stuff that, that just wouldn't make any sense to us or or you know can't be represented as characters so they get represented as dots but if you kind of scroll down with the down arrow you see some some really interesting information for instance uh at one point, you see lib slash lib64, or you might see it different. It depends on the setup of your, your system. ld-linux-x86-64.so, GNU. Um, it tells us that lib standard C++.so was used in creating this thing. Um, glibcxx. These are all the libraries that it used to create this admittedly very simple demonstration application if you keep going you'll you'll eventually if you're you you look very closely you'll eventually come across hello world in that output 
you actually see the hello world itself uh, in the output of this thing. You can you can get there quicker if you just do a hex dump dash c hello dot bin pipe grep dash capital C one. So that'll give us a line above and a line below the results. And then we'll just do a search for um, H E lowercase H lowercase E. Do that and you just get oh actually we got more than I thought we would get. Um, how about H E L L? There we go. So uh, you get the output of of ju of just the matching part, which is uh, two with three lines. W one is the is context, and it's not what we're looking for. The next one is H E L L, and then on the next line O space world, and then a bunch of more characters. So hex dump showing you all of the contents of a file kind of gives you an idea of what files are actually made of and you may not have ever thought about files containing this sort of information or you may not have ever thought about what kind of what kind of mix of data a a, a compiled a binary file might contain now this by the way is a great argument i think for plain text stuff in general, right? What we're doing here is we're really doing deep analysis. I can make deep analysis makes it sound really important and significant. We're looking pretty deep into a file, a binary file, and looking at data in in a very sort of raw state or an uninterpreted state. I mean, we are interpreting it a little bit, but it 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 is sort of this is this is what the computer is looking at, right? And we're looking at it in ways that that humans aren't really intended to look at it. If you want to see a PNG file, your the, the intent is that you open a PNG file in a graphical application, right? That's that's where the PNG makes sense to us. For instance, if you were to ask me what foo.png contained and I gave you and, and I looked at the hex dump output of foo.png, I would not be able to honestly tell you what that was a picture of. I wouldn't be able to say, oh, I, I happen to know that that's a little blue penguin from Oamaru. I wouldn't know that because I can't interpret that hex dump in, in that way. So plain text files are kind of kind of neat. And on Linux, they're, they're very frequently the, the default. And a lot of people talk a lot about that especially when they get into Linux for the very first time and they, they really start understanding that that a lot of what you can do on Linux is done in plain English. You, you Maybe there's a syntax being enforced. You have to make sure to put a, a semicolon off after after that one line or or if you don't want that line to be looked at, you, you can put a hash character in front of it to make it a comment and little things like that. But... But generally, it's all plain text. You just do plain, plain ASCII in a file. And the advantage is that when you want to then get that information, you want to retrieve that information back, you don't have to use hex dump. You don't have to look at a file with hex dump and, and, and scour through it to, to find familiar looking strings. And if you can't find a familiar string that's descriptive enough, then who knows what you have to do? You have to open it up in some special program that knows how to interpret that hex data in a way that you can understand. Just as a graphic application can in interpret the hex data of a PNG file in a way that, that actually is meaningful to you. So the fact that Linux doesn't require some special application to interpret data that ideally should be easily accessible and interpretable by you, it's a huge deal. It's a really, really big deal. And I can't tell you how many blockades I've run into on other operating systems because they don't do that. So for instance, from what I understand, the Windows registry is famous for being kind of over-engineered and, and inconvenient because in order to edit it, I, I, from what I've understood, you need the, whatever application it uses for the Windows registry. And I, I know nothing about that. I'm just 
pulling that out as an example, the one that is closer to home for me because I had to deal with it as as both a, a power user getting out of this operating system and into Linux, but also as a systems administrator who who had to deal with workstations of this type. But on on Mac, their preference files, their .plist files, are are binary files. So if you want to change some kind of some attribute of I don't know the desktop or something, you want to change something. There's no way to you can't just open up a plist file and kind of switch something over and tell it uh, instead of remembering the last 15 applications open, uh, remember the last 10. That's not a a line that you enter into a configuration file. It's because the configuration file is a binary entity, and there's no way, really, for you to insert data into it without, without opening or, or without, without generating a new plist from from some some application that is designed to generate plists. So, plain text. It's a big deal, and it gets you away from this kind of uh, mess, which is which is really nice. That is not all I have to say about Hexdump. Next, we're going to look at how to control the output of Hexdump so that it does contain meaningful data for you. We're going to re-implement the cat command with Hexdump. But first, we're going to go get a cup of coffee. I went and got a cup of coffee. It's hot and very, very good. Uh, and I have to say, I've got very exciting coffee news coming up. I can't can't reveal it yet because I haven't gotten it in the mail. But it is on its way. It's going to be very exciting. I will talk about it once I have it in my hands, or rather in my cup. So, Hexdump. I was talking about Hexdump. I should mention a couple of things. So first of all, I realized... Hexdump is it is it is a lot like well it's a lot like cat uh, it, all it does is dump information and and that information again may not be useful so there's nothing magical about hexdump if you if you do hexdump and pipe the output of hexdump into a file you do not have you don't have a duplicate of that file for instance, let's let's do that. Let's do exactly that. Hex, hex dump, uh, foo.png, and I'm piping it to so redirect uh, greater than symbol to bar.png. And then if I do a, a Gwen view bar.png, I don't see the thing that I the, the the picture the image that I would expect to see. Loading bar.png failed. Loading meta information failed. Uh, and that and that is because if I do a file on par, bar PNG, it tells me it's ASCII text. So I'm just I just want to emphasize I guess that that hexdump just because it looks confusing doesn't mean that it's somehow magic. It it doesn't it's not it isn't anything. It is interpreting the data. In a binary file, it is not the binary data. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, so next, let's learn about. Uh, I said earlier that hexdump is pretty flexible, and and it really is. the The output of hexdump is true and correct, but it is also it is it is exactly what it is hexadecimal. That is what it is presenting to us. That's not always what we need, and that is, of course, why the the dash capital C, the canonical output where it it shows us the hex on one side and the ASCII on the other, that's a little bit more useful to us because that at least gives us some kind of reference point of what all that hexadecimal stuff means. 
Now, it can be useful because, like, uh, file or applications like Scalpel, for instance, which scrubs corrupted hard drives or deleted, uh, you know, stuff that's been deleted. It scrubs it for uh, based on file headers that you can discover with Hexdump. So, for that reason, Hexdump is sometimes really, really useful. But in general, that's not always, Hexdump isn't what you always really need. And, or, or it is what you need, but it's not in, in the format that you need it. And for that reason, the dash dash format option is really, really important with Hexdump. If you're doing a lot with Hexdump, learning how to format its output is probably vital, to be honest, because not, it's just the, the, the chances that whatever you're doing is going to require the hexadecimal representation of of things in this exact order. It's just, just not... It, you can't count on that. Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to just really quickly grab a copy of the GPL because I know that that's on my system somewhere. So I'll find in slash user slash doc which might be a different path on your system if you're not on Slackware. I think it's sometimes user share doc. Um, and then I'll just do dash name, all capitals, copying. Whoa, there's a lot. Okay, so I'm just going to cat any given one of these. Here's here's the one for uh, GCC. I know that one's got to be the latest version of the GPL, so cat user doc gcc dash asterisk slash copying redirect to gpl.txt. Great. Now I've got a big text file in my working directory that I can play around with. Now once again, we can see this in a variety of different ways. The easiest way, hex dump dash capital C gpl.txt, and I'm just going to do... Um, maybe dash in, I'll go back to the beginning here, hexdump dash in, uh, let's do 24 bytes. Eh, 24 was not enough. Let's do 96. There we go. Uh, Could have actually done with 48, but whatever. So here's hexdump dash in 96 dash capital C gpl.txt. We've got about um, six six lines here of, of content. And it starts GNU General Public License version two. Version two. Oh, that's unexpected. Okay, we've we've seen that, right? That's not anything new to us. We know how to convert to ASCII by that method. The dash dash format option lets us control how how the data is being presented. It is similar to the printf statement. The syntax for format is similar to the printf command. If you've if you're not familiar with printf, I used to not be very familiar with it at all, and then I realized that it's just one of those things that you, gets used all the time in programming. It's just all over the place. Printf, learn it, love it, just get used to it. Um, it's almost to the point where it just makes more sense to use printf instead of using echo. Really, printf is kind of the way to go. But anyway, printf, so terminal printf quote uh, percent s close quote, space, foo. That prints foo and then gives you your prompt. There's no line break. There's no new line in there. It's just, it's it's printf and then printf is asking, okay, well, what are you going to feed me? And you're telling it, well, I'm going to feed you a quote, percent s, close quote. What that stands for is a string. Now, printf, the, the way that it works is that it, it doesn't, it's kind of setting up a template. So printf quote percent s, and then let's do a backslash n, which if you know know your special characters, you'll know that that's a new line character. Close quote space foo. Now printf prints the string that we gave it, which was foo, and then it follows that string with a new line. And so our prompt is on the next line doesn't have to be a string. You can do things like printf quote percent d for delta, um, or for digit, I guess, uh, and then backslash in again just to keep it sort of clean, and then we'll give it a number. So let's do one, two, three. 
and it prints the, the, the digits 1, 2, 3. You can do fancier things. Print F, quote, 0% D, and a new line. And now let's give it uh, the number 1, and it prints 0, 1. Let's give it the number 10, it prints 0, 1, 0, and so on. So that's print F, just to kind of give you a quick primer on that. The same sort of tradition is used here with hex dump, but they have some special notations. They they don't just use the percent %s and percent %d. I mean, printf has other ones too, but hex dump has some specific ones that it can use that would be particularly useful in this case. So what I want to do here as as exercise to get you used to how the dash dash format works is we're going to re-implement the cat command with hexdump. As silly as that seems. It's not going to be a perfect re-implementation, I will, I will admit to that. There's probably a way to get a little bit better, but we're going to get, we're going to get 90% of the way there. I mean, heck, we're already 45% of the way there, just with hexdump dash capital C, right? Because that does dump the contents of the file there on the far right column. So, I mean, that's that's pretty far along. But the dash dash format option will get us even closer. So one of if we do a man hex dump, and we go down to format, it says specify a string to be used for displaying data. And then further down the man page, there is a section called formats. And it says a format string contains any number of format units separated by white space. A format unit contains up to three items, an iteration count, a byte count, and a format. The iteration count is an optional positive integer, defaults to one. Each format is applied iteration count times. And that's not really what I'm looking for. Okay, so here's single character escape sequences described in the C standard are supported. So there's the uh, backslash in, so we can use the backslash in, in this in, in, when we're defining the, the format. And then there are also conversion strings. The hex dump utility also supports the following additional conversion strings. And the one that I want to focus in on here, although you can read all of them for yourself as well, is the underscore p, which outputs characters in the default character set. Non-printing characters are displayed as a single dot. Okay, so that's pretty useful. So let's just try that. Let's do a hex dump dash dash uh, format, and then single quote, because uh, remember the man page said it had to be encased in single quotes. So single quote, and then double quote, like normal quote, percent underscore p, close quote, close single quote, and then the path to the thing that we want to view the hex dump of. Now if you do that, you see that you get just the ASCII output of of the file and it goes way off screen probably and you know how to limit that now we could say if, if we don't want that to happen we could say hex dump dash in let's do a, a good number here let's do like um, I don't know 128 dash dash format single double percent underscore p close double close single gpl.txt and there we've got just sort of the head the head of the file. And there's a dot, and there's an asterisk, an asterisk, new general public license dot dot, asterisk, asterisk, version 2. So it, that's pretty close. Like, we're, re, we're, we're probably about 75% of the way to a cat command now. I mean, that, that totally works, right? Like, if you wanted to see the text of a file, then, then hex dump, dash dash format, bunch of quotes, percent underscore p, will get you a pretty good representation. Now, you'll notice that there's not a whole lot of dots in this file. We know that dots are being used to represent not only the actual literal dot, but also non-printable characters. Now, this is a text file, so most of the characters in this file are printable. It's not a big deal that, that, this, that this file is you know it's it's plain text so most of it is is going to be recognizable to us there's not a whole lot going on here 
and that's that's fine. You do notice maybe that the the line breaks as they are it's a little bit off. It's a little bit confusing. So there's there's the new general public license on one line, and then there's this weird blank line, and there's version two comma June one nine asterisk, and then one dot asterisk, and then copyright. So it breaks it up at really unusual places and unexpected places. And the reason for that is uh, most most files that are written for Unix and Linux, they kind of assume, like the plain text files assume, that there's an 80-character width um, to them, because that's just kind of traditionally, that's the width of a screen, right? When we think of how many characters can display on a screen, well, traditionally, that was that was what it was, like a, a, an old CRT monitor, 80 characters wide. Now, that's a lot less true on fancy computers nowadays with with resolutions that are quite high, and there's a graphic server, and so you're not really seeing the, the, the text, you're seeing a representation of the text. But if you were to do a Control-Alt-F1 or, or F2 or F4 or whatever, um, and get over to a text-only console on your Linux box you still might see a lot more than 80 characters across but if you if you did all of that without any kind of intervening uh, software trying to make things prettier for you then you would see closer to 80 characters wide and actually as it happens 80 characters is also kind of the the general width of paper as well like if you do a mono space thing at at like 12 points you basically get 80 give or take but but and certainly I think that was true on on the old dot matrices matrices I I don't know for sure but it it was around that area so 80 characters wide is kind of like the assumption we can tell hex dump to use that as its assumption with uh, dash dash format single quote now follow along here we've got a single quote and then we're gonna no double quotes we're gonna put 80 and then divided by one so 80 slash one which is telling it to take to treat well remember the man page said the the not the iteration but the the, the chunk size as it were I want it to interpret 80 bytes all uh, as, as as one as one a, at once and I want it to print a quote percent underscore P close close quote and and then we'll just close the single quote, and then we'll do gpl.txt. This is going to get us close. It's not going to be where we want to be. Hit return, and that didn't work because I accidentally got rid of... Oh, I put my uh, quote percent in the wrong place. There we go. And you can see, actually, we're gonna, I'm going to get rid of this dash in 128. I want to see the whole file now. You can kind of see that, that we get a just a big wall of text... It's certainly more than 80 characters wide, and the only reason for that is because it didn't get the memo that we want line breaks at all, because we didn't tell it. So you can add a line break as well, once again with the printf style form, uh, uh, syntax. So hex dump, dash dash format, single quote, 80 divided by 1 space, double quote, percent underscore p close quote and then quote backslash in close quote close single quote space gpl.txt return and there we're getting an 80 characters wide dump of the file which pretty much is as close to cat as i care to get to uh, at this point but i think i think you get the idea that you are able to control the output of hex dump in such a way that it that it is useful for whatever purpose you are using it you can play around with you know 80 80 to 1 we could say 8 to 1 and you'll get 8 8 bytes at a time uh, on on per line rather uh, 16 to 1 
and so on. So you can kind of mess around with that, and that, that comes in handy sometimes. Um, and to put this further, so re-implementing cat with hex dump is, is fun and silly, but, um, and it gives you an idea of the formatting options. But now let's, let's try to re-implement, or, or rather, let's try to go, let's get back to that PNG example. And let's try to challenge ourselves to format the output of hex dump such that we get the same output that libpng, the libpng spec, told us we should. Which, if I go back to this page and look at it, png spec. First eight bytes of a PNG file contain the following decimal values, 1, 3, 7, 80, 78, 71, 13, 10, 26, 10. And, and we remember that if we did hex dump dash in eight, so that's uh, the length of, of eight bytes, right? That's what it told, that's what it's telling us, the first eight bytes um, of foo.png, we get, we get 5089474E0A0D0A1A. It's not what we expect to see. Alright, but we know that we can, we can change things, we can, we can do this. So the first thing to do would be hex dump dash in eight. We know that we only want the first eight bytes. And then dash dash format, or if you're lazy, dash e. And then a single quote. Actually, I'll do two single quotes, and then I'll back up one, so I'm in my single quotes now. So we know we want we want the decimal representation of these digits because the spec file tells us. It says the first eight bytes always contain the following decimal values. So that's what we're looking for. So if we do a hex dump dash in eight dash e single quote single quote as we've done, and then inside the single quotes double quote percent d because we know from and then close uh, double quotes close single quote we know from uh, printf that a percent d should give us a digit right so. I guess that's what that stands for. I don't really know. Print F, man, print F, uh, backs, backslash delta. No, percent delta, rather, sorry. That doesn't actually say what it stands for. I don't know if it's decimal or digit, or if it even matters. I, I'm not really a math person. I know someone who is. Someone will probably know. I, I know a very specific person who will probably email me and tell me what that stands for. Okay, so, um, Hex dump dash in eight dash e percent d with all the quotes around it and then foo.png. We get the output of one one nine six three one four seven and so on. That doesn't look familiar to me. And I'll tell you why. That's because we're getting each byte treated as a single entity. What do you know about bytes, though? How many bits are in a byte? Well, this is where the math does come in. So hex dump dash in eight space dash e single quote. If you know anything about bits and bytes or about computers at all, you probably know that the, the that eight is significant. So we're going to do eight divided by one because we want this to be treated, we want each byte to be treated as a as a byte. We want each bit in a group of of 8 to represent a byte. So we'll do hex dump dash in 8 dash e single quote 8 slash 1 space quote, that's a double quote, percent delta, uh, percent d close quote close single quote foo.png now we're getting close. One three seven eight zero seven eight seven one one three one zero two six one zero. If you look at that string, you realize that's really really close to the first eight bytes of a PNG file, which is one thirty seven space eighty space seventy eight space seventy one space thirteen, and so on. So really, all we need here is a little bit of uh, something, a little bit of space, really. So we can do a percent d. And then I, th is there a, um, no, I guess there's not. I'm betting that there's some kind of fancy, ooh, that's fancy. Okay, so hex dump dash in eight dash e 
single quote 8 divided by 1 space quote percent D and then go with me on this do a backslash T close quote close single quote foo.png oh and then after the um, after so okay well let's do that first okay there 137 and then a tab 80 tab 78 tab 71 tab and so on great so that that's exactly what we were looking for once again there's no new line at the end of all of this and this is kind of important to to understand because it, it has everything to do with grouping so let's do this together or maybe you're not doing this at all but here's what we're going to do together on the show hex dump dash in eight dash e single quote eight slash one quote percent d backslash t now this is not not what i want but i'm going to do it anyway to demonstrate so percent d backslash t backslash n close quote close single quote foo.png now what you get is 137 new line 80 new line 78 new line 71 new line 13 new line and so on it's not really what i wanted to do actually so that kind of demonstrates that the 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 clause in this format string is significant so the the double quotes within the single quotes is significant so right now we're saying eight divided by one so take eight bits at a time and treat it as one entity format it as a, a decimal digit for us and then in and and print that digit and then insert a tab t and then repeat well what we actually want is an additional clause here at the very end so two more clo uh, double quotes and then we'll do a, um, a backslash n close quote close single quote foo.png so now we're saying take take the byte print it as a decimal with a tab following after it it's basically a for each loop and if you don't know what a for each or a for, a for loop is go back and listen to episode 1326 i just covered for loops on this very show not too long ago so you're saying for each set of eight bits per byte or for each set of eight bits treated as a byte printed as a decimal appended with a tab character do that do that do that until you run out of 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 groups of eight and 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 it's because so it'll do that eight times because we gave it hex dump dash in eight and then we're saying do that eight times and then at the very end of that process insert a new line because there's a new set of double quotes so if you do that then you get 137 80 78 71 13 10 26 10 and then a new line and then you're prompt and you're done and that that gives us exactly what the png uh, spec tells us should be contained in the eight in the first eight bytes well not exactly i guess if we want like exact exact we would get rid of that backslash t and just insert a literal space so it's percent d space close quote and and now you've got 137 space 80 space 78 space 71 space 13 space 10 space 26 space 10 and that's the header that's that's png that is it interpreted as decimal numbers that you and i um, can very easily and quickly kind of understand and interpret there's a lot more to hex dump and i'm not going to go into it because uh, at a certain point it does become overkill however i'm going to reference i'm going to i'm going to send you over to another uh, an article on seuss.com so if you go to seuss.com slash c slash making dash sense dash hex dump there's a really really fascinating article about hex dump it, it's it's a little bit it is a little bit confusing the, the the formatting of it was a little bit strange to me and there's some overlap. I mean, some of the, the very beginning of the article probably covers. I don't really remember. I kind of skipped down to the part, the really interesting part that I'm actually referencing you to. But there's, um, well, yeah, there are little tips too, like the fact that you can actually start at a different position. You don't have to start at zero when doing a hex dump. You can do a dash s and start it at some other number of, you know, you're, you're telling it to go, go into the file some number of of bytes and and then start doing the hex dump. 
so that that was kind of cool but the really the the interesting read that i'm i'm not going to cover because i i barely understand this myself it's it's uh dumping a partition table using hex dump now there's no good reason that i can think of to do it this way and he even says he or she even says in the article it's easy to get the necessary information from FDisk by switching it to show sector size units, but I thought I'd play with hex dump to force myself to use format syntax. So it's it's a it's an exercise purely sort of doing what I did with the by reimplementing the cat command and and by getting by by struggling to get that same output from libpng. It's just an exercise to practice the dash dash format option. There's there's no great reason to do it other than this is how you control the output of, of Hexdump. But it is a, a fascinating read. Um, the, like I say, the, the layout of the article is a little bit strange. Like there are these weird sort of green section headings that I don't really know if what what the what the logic there is. I don't understand what is trying to be conveyed. Probably it's probably really obvious. I'm just for whatever reason not getting it. It's it's just it is a, it is a little bit strange. But um, the 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 content is super super interesting nevertheless. And he talks about signed and unsigned. He talks about 32 versus 64 bit. It puts it into a shell script so that he can reliably get partition tables using hex dump. Definitely worth a read. I will link to this article in the show notes because it's um, it's really, really interesting. And as I say, a, a little bit bizarre. Like, it is one of those articles where, I mean, it's great, but it's also just like, why why would you do it that way? And as he says, there's no good way to do it. He's, he did it because he wanted to reinforce the format option. And I think that's justification enough. Anyway, that's really all I have to say about Hexdump. Like I say, hex dump is really useful if you're playing around with scalpel to rescue files, which of course you shouldn't ever have to do anyway. Ideally, you should be backing up, you should not be using the RM tool and so on, but sometimes you have to. And if there's a file out there that wasn't in the scalpel config file, you can define your own and the way that you define that is by looking at the magic cookies at the very beginning of a file type, extracting that data and putting it into the config file, and then sending Scalpel over the drive to look for blocks of data that begin with that with that magic cookie, with that set of, of numbers. So it, it can be a useful tool. I mean, I've, I've heard of it being used for lots of other things. So, yeah, Hexdump is just... It's one of those things that you, you're not going to use... Daily, weekly, monthly, probably, maybe, but um, more likely it'll be something that you use on occasion. And and if you practice with it a little now, it'll be a little bit less um, confronting later when you actually need to use it. So that's Hexdump from Util Linux. Hope that was either interesting or uh, fun or enlightening, one of those things. And if not, I have a special, well, sort of, it's not, I don't know how special it is, I have a treat for you. I have the sounds of little blue penguins in Oamaru, New Zealand. You can go to Oamaru, if you happen to be in New Zealand, and go to the, the, the waterfront at night, and you'll hear the sounds of little blue penguins talking to each other after they come in from the ocean. They go out into the ocean during the day to, to fish, to, to get food, and they swim out in the ocean all day long. And these are little blues, so they're like... Um, Maybe, gosh, maybe maybe a foot and a half tall. They're really small, but I mean they're legit penguins. Um, and they go out into the ocean as as what they call a, I think a raft. A raft of penguins is what they're called. They go out in a big group and they go around fishing and swimming and eating. They stay out there all day, and then at night, around usually around eight o'clock, sometimes at six, like it's sort of near a little bit after sunset they come out of the of the ocean in it, at Oramaru because there is a a shelter there there's a penguin sort of reserve so they and they know that they go there and they they go to their little houses and uh they before they go to bed every night they just kind of sit outside their little houses i'm not making this up and they chatter they talk to each other 
So I've been to the Penguin Reserve. I mean, obviously, what am I not going to go to a Penguin Reserve as a Linux geek? Uh, I've been there, and and it is it is a riot. It's a real hoot because you just you they do exactly as I've described. They swim up from the ocean in in formation in like this little what they call a raft. They they pop out of the water. They waddle up on uh, up the beach. They climb over the rocks. And seeing them do that without any arms is just amazing. So they climb over the the rocks. They get up onto the the shore and then they go to their little their little houses, which sadly aren't like super like they're not designer houses. They're just boxes. Um, but they go to them. And then they sit outside and chatter to each other. They just talk. And and then eventually, like around midnight or maybe later, they go to bed. They, they go into their house and go to sleep. And then in the morning, they do it all over again. Now, this pastime that I was driving down from Picton to where I am now, uh, I stopped over in Oamaru. And uh, we went to the waterfront. We didn't go to the penguin reserve but we just kind of sat by the water and and listened to the little blues chirp and chatter so that's what i'll end on i'll close this episode with the sounds of of little blue penguins in oamaru new zealand enjoy (laughs) 